Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chapter Brothers. My name is Nick Ackerman. And my name is Kevin Ackerman. And today we are going to um, start Chapter 2. We'll see how far we get, um, because we realize that there is a whole heck of a lot to talk about in this that is uh, for sure. wonderful chapter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Chapter 2, The Way Station. And just like in uh, the very first sentence... Uh, Man in Black fled, and the gunslinger followed. So he's still following the Man in Black across the desert. Indeed, but there's a new wrinkle. Uh, but Kev, there. you want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, so we start off, and basically, there's a nursery rhyme running through the gunslinger's mind, and it's basically the you know it's strange that to me that the version that I've always heard of this is. The rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain, which is what we have in the original version. But then in the revised version, he cuts out the word mainly, so it's just the rain in Spain falls on the plain. So well, I wonder I, if that's I noticed like a, that too. Yeah, I wonder if that's like it, a poetic reason or because I know Stephen King it he, he loves reading poetry and in fact the whole gunslinger story is based on uh a poem by Robert Browning called Child Roland to the Dark Tower King. And oh. yeah, so probably should have mentioned that before, but whatever. But or or did we? I think we might have in the first episode, but I forget. But in any case, yeah. so So the title of that says Roland right in it? It does, yeah. Oh, wow. I guess that gives away that right away. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean well, well technically we have had uh well, at least in the revised version, Ali has said Roland at least. So, but let's wait to see when the 1982 version uh, comes out with his name. But let's see. So we've got Rain in so, Spain, so it's mainly on the plane. Well, hmm? So what I thought of right away was uh, My Fair Lady with that. Mm. The ra- <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. It's like My Fair Lady. <laughs> well, he's but, yeah, teaching the... uh, elocution lessons. Exactly. Actually, let me pull up the actual poem right now and see if there's any differences there oh it's actually wait hang on rain in spain falls insanely on the (laughs) now i mean kind of uh so apparently you're right it was written for my fair lady uh so there you go the originally for uh let's see Professor Henry Higgins and Eliza Doolittle, written for the play starring Rex Harrison and Julie Andrews. Right. So that was a uh, Pygmalion, right? Wasn't that the exactly. Original. Oh, there you go. Hmm. Was part- I was right on that one. Actually, the yeah, the freeze does not occur appear in Shaw's original play Pygmalion, on which My Fair Lady is based, but it is used in the 1938 version of the play. Interesting. When is when was Pygmalion made? Uh, 1913. George Bernard Shaw. George Bernard Shaw, yeah. So, just in the My Fair Lady proper. So, there you go. go. But we do have some uh, changes here. Uh, Let's see. The first one, well, as far as uh, Stephen King changes, we've got, I'm not so sure about the actual lyrics of The Rain in Spain Falls Mainly in the Plain, but, uh, so, in the original, it says... Pretty pl- the second stanza, I guess. Pretty plain, yeah. loony sane. The ways of the world all will change, and all the ways remain the same. But in the new version, we've got time's a sheet, life's a stain. 
all the things we know will change, and all those things remain the same. And then Just goes little little changes. Yeah. Little changes. Yeah, I'm curious. What do you think about that? Uh, times a sheet, life is a stain. If we want to dive into that part, because I feel like if we're saying that life is a stain upon the sheet of time, is it? Are we saying life in general or one person's life? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I would say that it means one person's life is a stain, and. Uh, it's not necessarily um, a pretty looking thing. That's what I think of when I, when I think of a stain. But it's also that it can't be it can't be taken out. Mm. It's there forever. So that time is this white blank sheet, um, and then our lives are kind of indelibly marked upon that. Mm. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I like that that it's each life sort of adds to the tapestry of it. If this sheet is getting further and further stained by every life upon it. Which also the, is kind of, a, kind of a negative uh, point of view on life in general, I guess. But, you know, it's uh, just... Uh, also, it is a, a, a nursery rhyme, so we can't... Uh... But <laughs> it is uh, interesting. That's Stephen King yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. Very true. Very, I th- very I true. I think the, the change uh, is a little more thought-provoking than the original. Pretty plain, loony scene. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also, I mean, that, that kind of means the same thing, like that loony scene, like that this this stain can be a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. Exactly. Same thing with pretty or plain. You know, it's all in the eye of the beholder. And it's also, I, I do actually kind of think that it might just be a matter of making it a little less redundant because in the second half of it, it says, but if you're mad or only sane, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane, which is still kind of there in the new version where he says, but be ye mad or only sane, the rain in Spain falls on the plane. I kind of prefer Paul falls mainly on the plane just for a little bit of poetic, uh, you know, changing the meter a little bit. Mm. Agree. Mm. So we walk in love, but fly in chains. And the planes in Spain fall mainly in the rain, and that's mm. a different plane. Exactly. So, yeah. Now we're now we've got a, a homophone in there. Mm-hmm. So, and also another change in the new version, where kind of uh, <laughs> establishing, as a lot of the previous changes did, that. The gunslinger's world isn't really our own, where he says he didn't know what a plane was in the context of the rhyme's last couplet, but he knew why the rhyme had occurred to him. Uh, so well, it's also basic, it's so yeah, ahead. saying that he doesn't know what planes are. So yeah, and, and, and why they would be establishing following. establishing the gunslinger's kind of um, own timeline that he existed before a lot of these technologies did. Um, as we'll see later when he doesn't know what TV is either. True. Yeah. Before or after. We'll see. Yeah. Or sideways. Who knows? Uh, so, yeah. So, basically, once we get after that little rhyme, we see that he knows why the rhyme occurred to him in the first place. It uh, There had been the recurring dream of his room in the castle and of his mother, who had sung it to him as he lay solemnly in the tiny bed by the window of many colors. So, right off the bat, from the beginning, we find out, A, the gunslinger grew up in a castle, and B, that 
his mother sang to him as he lay in bed by a window of many colors. So we're thinking some kind of stained glass. So not only is this a castle, but we've got a sort of a, a second level religious reference if we want to throw in the stained glass windows in there. Oh, cool. We're getting a little bit of the gunslinger's background right away. <laughs> and uh, so he was more of a mystery in the whole first chapter. Exactly. Um, the man know with that no he's name. The last, the last of the gunslingers, pretty exactly. much. There was a guy named Court, um, a woman named Susan, mm-hmm. I believe. But like, you didn't really get any explanations. So now we're hearing about his uh, mother and father. And also, in the version that I have, this is what I thought was weird when I was just reading this. Um, it says, uh, there had been the recurring dream of his room in the castle and of his father who had sung it to him as he lay solemnly in the tiny bed by the window. So I was like, wait a minute. Interesting. It's, it's, it says his father in this one, not his mother. So Yeah, both of the versions I, like, I have say mother. I wonder, huh, yeah. that's cool. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I would never have thought of that as something his father would be doing. I wonder if that's that, a typo. Well, I think it's just a typo. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't make sense for, I, I don't know, maybe it does. I but um, does it say she or anything later on? And then the very next sentence says she did not sing it at bedtime. So I think it was. Just it is a just a typo. Hmm. Yeah, because that would be a whole different wrinkle in the story if his father is singing right. to him, huh? So yeah, that is curious. But yeah, that I, I do feel like that might just be a typo. So hey, maybe the your version of the book might be uh, more valuable, like those uh, stamps with the plane upside down, yeah. or uh, a baseball card with Billy Ripkin's bat saying "fuck off." Or <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. That's cool. Yeah, it's an error card. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so there we go. Um... So, yeah, she did not sing to it in bedtimes because all small boys born to the high speech must face the dark alone. Uh, but she sang to him at nap times, and he could remember the heavy gray rain light that shivered into the rainbows of the counterpane. He could feel the coolness of the room, the heavy warmth of the blankets, love for his mother and her red lips, the haunting melody of the little nonsense lyric and her voice. So in all that point, it's saying her and she and stuff? Yeah, it's all okay. saying her and she. So it all was right. definitely just a typo. Just a typo. Still, still roll. Uh, still, the gunslinger's mother singing to him. All right. So, yeah, definitely interesting that those born to the high speech must face the dark alone. I like that. Sort of establishing this sort of rough kind of uh, um, this sensibility that he has to be taught from an early age to stand on his own and to face the dark and all those things kind of uh, foreshadowing his whole uh, race against the man in black and trying to fight him and everything. So standing against the darkness has kind of been a recurring theme throughout his entire life. Mm-hmm. And also that's kind of a theme of royalty in general sometimes. Also true. Uh, Got to toughen them know, up. They're above everyone else and kind of doing things on their own or having like uh, servants too. So I guess... But yeah, that's, but yeah, interesting to kind of set up before we even go any further. We've established that the gunslinger is from some kind of royalty, that he grew up in a castle, and that probably did have servants, in fact. So, basically, from this, uh, the gunslinger is 
we see him walking through the desert. He's finished up the last of his water. He is uh, kind of staggering through, and he's basically, he's in the process of uh, dying of thirst. So he's kind of staggering along. Uh, the, ma- the hard pan had disintegrated in places to mere rubble. The mountains were not noticeably clearer, although 16 days had passed since he had left the hut of the last homesteader, a loony sane young man on the edge of the desert. He had had a bird, a gun- the gunslinger remembered, but he couldn't remember the bird's name. So in the course of only two we- of a little over two weeks, he's already forgotten about poor Zoltan, who is one of our favorite characters thus far. <laughs> Yeah. And and Brown's name as well. Exactly. Um, he's just a he also, Looney Sane he homesteader. He was, yeah, he also said he was Looney Sane, just like the uh, uh, the poem that he was just hmm. reading. Which um, makes me think I, that like his present sort of, that rhyme kind of running through his head is affecting his memories. Because I wouldn't particularly call Brown Looney Sane by any means. He was just... Uh, I, I would say that he's just sort of a, a no-nonsense farmer who's accepting the random strangers that keep happening into his life. I also wouldn't consider Brown a young man. I, 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 cons- I thought he was, like, an older... Oh, wasn't he? I thought, I, thought, I thought he was, like, in his 30s. Hmm. Oh, did they say that? Let me flip back. No. Uh... Not really important. But, but the other thing that I, I, I found interesting is... Um, yeah. The Dweller, a surprisingly that... young man with a shock of strawberry hair. Oh, it was a young man? Okay. Hmm. Misremembered that, but, but I think it, it's, I mean it's also, also probably the long beard might have made uh, him seem older. I guess. Yeah. Um. Also, in the uh, the audio book, he's got kind of a. It sounded like an older voice that the, uh. Uh, the narrator was giving him. So. Mm. Um, True. Yeah, a lot of the time that can affect how you imagine the character. Yeah. Right. That's why maybe I, I think I'm gonna stop gonna I'm gonna stop listening to the audiobook and just read so that I can imagine it for myself. Mm. It, um, it does definitely color your perception of things a lot. But, I mean, both both versions are valuable. I'm not going to have any hate on uh, audiobooks. But I, I do get your point here where because of the voice of Brown, it might make you think that he's older than he is. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing is that he says it's it's 16 days. He knows for sure how much time has passed. So... It seems like everybody else is confused about time, but the gunslinger knows, you know, how much mm. time is passing in this desert. True. I just thought that was interesting. Anyway. Mm. But yeah, it might just be a facet of the gunslinger that he's a more methodical person. He's paying more attention to the exactitude of his life. So he might be thinking 16 bonfires uh, that I've covered up of the man in blacks as I've been following him and... He might have that particular mode of measurement of some kind, who knows. But or might just or, be some inherent part of him that he's not being kind of moved on in the way that everyone else is and the world is. True. Or it could be that he it's just an unreliable narrator again. And also he thinks possible. it's been sixteen days and but we have no idea. Hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. so he's moving along here. Um yeah, all of his water is gone. Out here, even the devil grass had grown stint- stunted and yellow. Uh, couldn't. Re- oh, there's a, a little change. Instead of calling him a, uh, a raven in the new version, they, co- they just call him a bird. So even further uh, forgetting things about uh, Zoltan there. Right. 
So yeah, let's see. Yeah, as he wa- he watched his feet move up and down, uh, like the heddles of a loom, which is a new thing. Listening to the non listening to the nonsense rhyme sing itself into a pitiful garble in his mind, and he wondered when he would fall down for the first time. So falling for the first time definitely automatically makes me think of the sta- the stations of the cross. So definitely have uh, a little bit more religious uh, imagery there. Uh, let's see. So, didn't he didn't want to fall, even though there was no one there to see him. It was a matter of pride. A gunslinger knows pride. This that that invisible bone that keeps the neck stiff. What hadn't come to him, what hadn't come to him from his father, had been kicked into him by court. A boy's gentleman, if there ever was one. Court Yar, with his red bulb of a nose and his scarred face. So. I know I've been kind of hating a lot on some of the changes thus far in uh, the first section, The Gunslinger, but so far, based on our overall reading, I kind of say I kind of like the changes thus far for uh, The Waystation, just in terms of either condensing things or making things slightly less redundant or further characterizing characters and such. Right. It's, it's, uh, it seems... It- a lot of the changes are adding foreshadowing. Mm, um, very true. Which I feel foreshadowing like... Foreshadowing to... I was going to say foreshadowing to what I don't know yet because I haven't read it, but mm. uh, there's a... You know, we're just finding out about more characters along the way. That's for sure. That's for sure. And I kind of feel like... Um, crap, I had something to say. One second. Foreshadowing. I was talking about the... Um... Ah, crap, I lost it. That's fine. Um, Oh, but yes. So, foreshadowing makes total sense that there would be changes, because as we said, Stephen King is kind of a seat-of-the-pants writer, where he'll just sit down at a typewriter and just start going, and doesn't necessarily have an outline or a plan. So, it kind of makes more sense that in going back after not only finish the bo- finishing the book, but after having finished the entire series, he'll plant a few more seeds here and there. Yeah. And in, in the first chapter, when they mentioned Court, I was thinking that um, he was um, the gunslinger's friend. And, like, mm. uh, uh, it, like, he was the same age as him, but it seems like he's more of, uh, like, a teacher, really. Exactly. Yeah, big red bulbous nose and a scar on his face. This is a guy who has been through battles. It seems like. So let's see. Um, stopped and looked up suddenly. Yada yada yada. Uh, so yeah, basically he's going through the desert and he's going glare blind and he's dying of thirst and falls for the first time. Uh, the yeah. He looked at the tiny beads of blood on his flaked skin with unbelief. Uh, the blood looked no thinner. It looked mutely viable. It seemed almost as smug as the desert. He dashed the drops away, hating them blindly. Smug? Why not? The blood was not thirsty. The blood was being served. The blood was being made sacrifice unto. Blood sacrifice. All the blood needed to do was run and run and run. So... Definitely a little bit of religious imagery there in terms of blood sacrifice, but also we could kind of tell in almost the disjointed sentences the the chain of uh, the gunslinger's thoughts that he's being 
he's slowly kind of coming unhinged a little bit as he's losing water. He's being around this just white desert with sunlight in his eyes and he could barely see and he's falling and kind of falling apart here. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so let's see. A uh, little bit of a change there. Uh, the blood looked no thinner. It looked like any blood now. Any blood now dying in the air. So rather than being... Uh, in terms of the whole viable thing. Um, which, yeah, I guess is just sort of kind of simplifying things. Uh, let's well, see. And also, I mean, it just made me think that, you know, blood is um, just from a biological standpoint. Uh, it's it's what um, helps us survive. It delivers oxygen to all of our cells. And, and its only purpose in life is to, to flow through our veins. And so him watching it, you know, lead out um he's basically watching his life coming out of it like he, he's like is this the end kind of thing yeah totally and not only just in a biological literal point of view but also in the metaphorical literary sense where blood is life blood is uh as he says sort of blood sacrifice that can i mean a blood sacrifice just well i mean he kind of just says that but uh all blood needed to do was run and run and run and it's just sort of the brings me back to sort of the single-minded nature of the gunslinger himself that he has this one quest and he is single-minded about it he is going to follow that man in black wherever he happens to go so it's sort of uh personally kind of a parallel there so if the blood is also kind of falling uh he looked at the splotches that had landed on the hard pan and watched as they were sucked up with uncanny suddenness how do you like that blood how does that grab you or in the new version how does that suit you uh but and then immediately oh jesus i'm far gone uh so kind of show i mean symbolically i kind of feel like the blood sort of represents the gun the gunslinger here where he watches it just sort of get sucked up and swallowed by the desert so he's kind of feeling this impending doom almost that he's out of water and he's about to get just swallowed up by this desert and sucked up so and then immediately afterwards then immediately afterwards we've we've got the jesus you're far gone so he's kind of thinking about his thoughts in this way I was going to say, he, he also he mentions Jesus. Isn't he not like a religious person who doesn't? And so now it's almost like he's being changed. The desert is changing him into someone who does believe in this Jesus. True. And it's I wonder if that's uh, might be because of him remembering the memory of telling the story of te- of living through the whole experience in Tull and that uh, preacher. What was her name? Um Tilden Swinton? Um, Tilda Swinton? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Not Tilda Swinton. Uh, her name is Sylvia Pittston. Pittston. Hmm. You're close. <laughs> but yeah, the yeah, whole... Tilda Swinton would, would not be a good actress for that. Zero percent, yeah, now. <laughs> Maybe the that actress from This Is Us. I could see her having the chops. Okay. That could work. 
Hmm. But point, uh, my point being that sort of since he had this dream of telling the story of living through the whole experience of uh, kind of um, having to fight his way through Tull with this religious extremist who's pitting this entire town against him, kind of maybe that's reinforcing the whole man Jesus uh, just sort of being on his mind because the, it reminds me of, uh, as we're talking about biology, the the whole science of memory in that we don't actually remember our memories per se. We remember remembering them. So every time we remember something, we're reinforcing what we think and we're slightly changing the memory that we have. So every memory is kind of a copy of a copy of a copy. So in... It gets distorted over time. Exactly. And not only distorted, but every time you remember it, you're reinforcing that particular memory. So the fact that we have the gunslinger dreaming of telling, having the dream of telling Brown of living through the whole thing, that technically counts as him thinking about it three separate times. So I would say the whole element of having uh, a dream of a story, of an event, uh, kind of not only is just a fun storytelling trick, but I feel like it's also him retelling his own story to himself. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's, Indeed. Wow, I never thought about that. Like, in real life, not just this book. <laughs> but yeah, no, the... Yeah, I've, I've, I've been hearing a, a bunch of sort of uh, scientific... Um, I'm not sure, well, I guess sort of things that I watch on YouTube sort of about memory and about kind of the way that the brain works. And that's something that I always find fascinating that that's sort of the way that our brain remembers things is it's sort of a game of telephone to yourself. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And until you actually go over that memory with someone else, do, do you get clarity on what actually happened? Exactly. <laughs> we are very unreliable narrators to ourselves. So let's see. Here we go. Gunslinger falls for the first time. Blood on his hands. Uh, made him cry out. A dusty crow choke. Uh, a dusty crow croak. Uh, it had. It was. Hold on. Wait. Oh, so, okay. So after he falls, he got up, holding his hands to his chest, and the thing he had seen earlier was almost in front of him. So close it made him cry out. A dust choked crow croak, which is almost like a tongue twister kind of fumbled it the first time uh it was a building no two buildings surrounded by a fallen rail fence the wood seemed old fragile to the point of elvishness it was a wood being transmogrified into sand i love that word transmogrified mm. <laughs> uh going back to calvin and hobbes the uh he had a transmogrification oh, yeah. machine yeah um one of the buildings had been a stable uh the shape was clear and unmistakable the other was a house or an inn a way station for the coach line. A tottering sand house. The wind had crusted the wood with grit until it looked like a sand castle, that the sun had beat upon beat upon it at low tide and hardened to a temporary abode. Uh, cast a thin line of shadow, and someone sat in the shadow, leaning against the building, and the building seemed to lean with the burden of his weight. Him then, at last, the man in black. So, Gunslinger sees the eponymous uh, way station here and 
Gunslinger stood with his hand on, hands on his chest, unaware of his declamatory posture, and gawped. But instead of the tremendous winging excitement he had expected, or perhaps fear or awe, there was nothing but the dim, atavistic guilt of the sudden raging hate of his own blood moments earlier, and the endless ringerosy of the childhood song, The Rain in Spain, He Moved Forward, Drawing One Gun, Falls Mainly on the Plain. He came to the last quarter mile at a jolting, flat-footed run. So, I just love this imagery that he's dying of thirst, he's kind of going a little nuts, he's imagining this nursery rhyme that his mother sang to him, and finally he sees this building, and in the shadows he sees someone, so he assumes it must be the man in black, and he just sort of, like, kind of un gainly has this sort of flat-footed sort of awkward run forward so we can kind of see that the grace that the gunslinger had has kind of been sucked out by the desert and by all of this water and it just personally it almost seems kind of like almost a comic relief moment kind of to me <laughs> just so that he's kind of moving forward as fast as he can but because of his all of the problems that he's been running against it becomes this ungainly walk and ungainly jolting flat-footed run uh you almost expect him to fall because exactly he's he's so tired that with that run also that's a that's a change uh because in the original it just says he came the last quarter mile at the run Hmm. so adding jolting um flat-footed it's better imagery i agree totally it it makes the it, it it makes you imagine it in a much more i feel like a much more realistic kind of way because instead of just him being this perfect killing machine who he's dying of thirst but immediately as soon as he sees his quarry he just runs perfectly no this is a guy who's dying of thirst and he just has this flat-footed jolting awkward run that i feel like is very true to the story i would say have you ever run a 5k i have not i am very (laughs) physically unfit (laughs) (laughs) well i've done a couple and i i'm i'm not that good at running long distances so when i get to the end that's what i was imagining it's like Mm. there's the finish line i'm like oh i just want to get there oh god exactly that uh (laughs) olympic marathon runner who's uh almost uh falling apart and then at the very uh, at the very end i think her father comes along to kind of help her along the finish line. I, I, I have that very specific imagery. I don't, I'm not exactly sure where that comes from. Um, is that something? Do you know what that is? That happened in the Olympics one year. I think it was in 96 that this one runner, he like blew out his hamstring running like 400 and his father came out of the stands. Oh, it was a man. Okay. Helped him. Uh, but I, it might have happened in a marathon as well. I'm not sure. Hmm. There was a woman who got attacked at a Boston Marathon. It was the oh first. Uh, she was the first female um, to run the marathon, and this, you know, awful person came out to attack her. But the other runners around uh, the woman like fought the guy off. Oh, nice. So that was oh, cool. I like that story. <laughs> Except for the misogynistic jerk. True, but there's <laughs> always got to be a villain to kind of turn it into a story, almost. Definitely some sort of a conflict, yeah. Very, very true. Without the Man in Black, the Gunslinger would have nowhere nowhere to go. Um, so yeah, here we go. He's running forward. He said, he shouts, you're covered, you're covered. And then in the new version, hands up, your whore son. Uh, and then, figure moved restlessly and stood up. 
Gunslinger thought, my God, he's worn away to nothing. What happened to him? Because the man in black had shrunk to had shrunk two feet and his hair had gone white. He paused, struck dumb, his head buzzing tunelessly. His heart was racing at a lunatic rate, and he thought, I'm dying right here. He sucked the white-hot air into his lungs and hung his head for a moment, and when he raised it again, he saw it wasn't the man in black, but a boy with sun-bleached hair, regarding him with eyes that didn't even seem interested. Uh, the gunslinger stared at him blankly and then shook his head in negation, but the boy survived his refusal to believe. In the new version, he was a strong delusion. In the old version... Uh, uh, but the boy survived his refusal to believe he was still there. Uh, so interesting that in the new version, he want, uh, Stephen King wants the gunslinger to still think that he's a a delusion at this point. Um, he was a strong delusion. He was wearing blue jeans with a patch on his knee and a plain brown shirt of rough weave. Uh... Gunslinger shook his head again and started for the stable with his head lowered, gun still in, gun still in his hand. So here we go. We, I, 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 I kind of like that we've got here at the end of the last chapter, Gunslinger tears down absolutely everybody in Tull. And we might, the reader might think that he's this cold-blooded, just, you know, kills anybody he comes across kind of a guy. But even when he thinks that it is the man in black, Gunslinger still waits before shooting. He, he might have his guns drawn, but he definitely, he waits for, waits to see what's going to happen next. So he doesn't necessarily, or maybe that just might mean that he doesn't necessarily want to kill the man in black. So we're not quite sure at this point. Um, just to go back one second, he said Yeah, yeah, go ahead. He paused, struck dumb, his head buzzing tunelessly. His heart was racing in a loomis grade, and he thought, I'm dying right here. Hmm. Why did he think, I'm dying right here? He, th- he thought the, the man in black was going to kill him? or I wonder if it's almost more just physically, just A, he clearly has no, almost no moisture left in his body. It's been a while since he ran out of water, and he... He just made this, like, all-out sprint towards the guy. He's shouting out, you're covered, you're covered, I got you. And then automa- and then all of a sudden he comes to a dead stop and he sees something that doesn't fit with what he expected whatsoever. So I almost feel like the blood is kind of uh, draining from his head, so he might almost feel like he's going to faint. That was how I took it. Yeah. So it's all just kind of hitting him all at once. It, exactly, yeah. Going from this all-out sprint to a dead stop to seeing something that doesn't make any sense to his eyes and just the combination of various stimuli might be kind of causing him to almost faint there. So mm-hmm. we got this boy standing there, uh, shook his head and started for the stable with his head lowered, gun still in hand. Couldn't think yet. Uh, his head was filled with moats, and there was a huge thrumming ache building in it. Uh, walks into the stable, and it's just exploding with heat. So the gunslinger uh, stared around himself, uh, made a drunken about face, and saw the boy standing in the ruined doorway st- staring at him. Huge lancet of pain slipped dreamily into his head. Uh, there we got another change. Uh, a Just just a blade slipped sp- smoothly into his head so smoothly not dreamily so i guess that makes sense that it's just instead of this imaginary pain it's just this 
you know, smooth pain, whatever. Uh, cutting from... Yeah, Lancet. Uh, I feel like that might just be him kind of going through and being like, I really used this word a lot when I was younger. I, I'm just going to trim those out. <laughs> uh, he reholstered his gun, swayed, put his hands up as if to ward off phantoms, and fell over onto his face. So... They fell for the second time. Falls for the second time. So there we go. He's clearly just lack of water is uh, caught up with him. So... When he woke up, he was on his back, and there was a pile of light, odorless hay beneath his head. The boy had not been able to move him, but he had made him reasonably comfortable. So, this boy that the gunslinger is threatening pulls his guns out, and then basically, just imagining it from the boy's point of view at this point, uh, he sees this stranger coming up with guns who starts shouting, then he stops all of a sudden, and then kind of like gops at him as he says, walks into the a barn for a second, and then just... The boy is like, yeah, that's why I was in the shade outside. Uh, basically, <laughs> good like Yeah, what are you doing? It's a, it's a, it's a, a greenhouse in there. Uh, so he walks out after hitting this furnace uh, inside of this barn, and the guy faints. So boy, immediately, I guess, second person that he's seen, uh, he even after having him point his guns at him, kind of treats him with kindness. He gives him this, like, a little bit of hay under his head. He kind of makes him a little bit comfortable. So we've got our first impression of this boy, that he's willing to help out a stranger. Yeah. Um, I also noticed here that in the new version, that's where section one ends. Exactly. It starts section two, but in the original, section two doesn't begin until page 96 exactly way later yeah the Uh, another another interesting thing is that uh i'm not sure if it's in your version but in mine uh chapter two the way station doesn't even have a one it just starts off with there's the illustration of the way station and the boy resting in the shade and there's no one it just starts but then later on uh it does actually have a two so I wonder if uh, that's. Yeah. I I don't do you, have a one in mind. Yeah, you don't have a one either. Yeah, so yeah, I wonder if that's kind of Stephen King kind of just tightening up the sections there a little bit as well, because yeah, I definitely yeah. prefer for this to be the end of uh, section one instead of waiting way later until it's literally yeah, yeah it's uh what is it the gunslingers go back yeah per- first personal flashback. flashback exactly yeah yeah yeah. And my Kindle version, I've been kind of keeping notes. Uh, so the basically, th- there's four uh, color options for uh, highlighting each section. So what what I've been doing is yellow for everything that's a brand new addition. Uh, orange is for something that was something in the original, and they changed it to something else in the new version. And red is anytime there's been something that was in the original version that got taken out entirely. So all of our mainly is for mainly on the plane is just a red dot there. But anytime there is a grammatical change or something that is really just sort of a rewording or kind of a structural change, I'll mark that in blue. So I would say these uh, uh, section changes would be a blue change. 
just for a little bit of uh, insight into how my kind of yeah. process has yeah. been going. <laughs> uh, behind the curtain. Exactly, yeah. Cause well, that, I, that helps me, actually, because those are kind of the four types of changes that you Yeah, totally. Either additions, subtractions, uh, grammatical change. What was the other one? Yeah, grammatical changes or uh, more... I guess, story or word related changes. So changing Zoltan from a raven back to a bird, that would be orange. But say, uh, let's see, um, where it says the building that he had seen was suddenly closer. Uh, in the original, it said, um, let's see. The thing he had seen earlier was almost in front of him, startling a cry out of him. And then in the new version it says, uh, The thing he had seen earlier was almost in front of him, so close it made him cry out. That would be a blue change. So it's just sort of a rewording of the same words, more or less. I got it. Huh. Yeah. I like it. Thanks. I'm going to think in terms of this now. Yeah, so red, orange, yellow, blue. Wait. Yeah, so, so blue is just same words but different order. Indeed, or um, like a basically structural change that doesn't change the words, more or less. Okay. Uh, An orange was, um, so going from like raven to bird. That's, yeah, raven to that's bird, a- changing from, um, here's another one where he says um, that his face had become a gray and a gray and grinning death, death mask of exhaustion and then the new version says a gray and dusty death mask of exhaustion so i feel like grinning and dusty is two totally different ideas kind of so that's an orange change okay huh. hmm. he took out the alliteration which i love yeah but <laughs> but i feel like in that case he almost was doing it alliteration just for alliteration's sake because I feel yeah. like story-wise, he wouldn't really be grinning at this point. But yeah, even, right. and even though I mean, even then, kind of in the original version, a gray and grinning death mask who is just running towards his quarry is a totally different vibe than a gray and dust, dusty death mask of exhaustion who is running in this jolting, flat-footed run. So it's a totally different feel of what's going on at this moment. Right. So orange changes the meaning. Uh, and then you said red dots are just things that were removed? Removed um, from the original uh, uh, for the new version, yeah. So all of the main is on the plane, and uh, I think there's another one. Not in this section yet, but uh, yeah. But basically any time a word or a sentence or something is removed. And then the first one you said was additions are in yellow? Yeah, additions are yellow, something totally different, like... Uh, the man in black's 19. 19 note exactly yeah okay that would be yellow okay cool i'm gonna start thinking in those colors when mm. <laughs> this happens indeed yeah because uh, uh i would i definitely would only mark up the kindle version because i can't put notes like that into uh my <laughs> pop-up relinger copy the you know i mean i've definitely cracked the spine and read it to death but I feel like, uh, you know, highlighting for, for the sake of our conversation here seems like uh, crossing a line for some reason. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here we go. Your dog ear books, Kev? I don't like to, but I have in the past. But it's, uh, you know, it's a habit I'm trying to quit. Most of the time I'm always, I... I'm always just uh, either bookmarks or, you know, receipts or... Uh, Whatever piece of paper happens to be on hand. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm very much against dog earring. Mm-hmm. Well, you had mentioned when you were reading Carrie in the library that you, you dog eared. I was like, oh, really? A library book? Come on. Exactly, yeah. Well, <laughs> also, I mean, A, the library had about four different copies of Carrie, which I think must have been because it might have must have been like a summer reading book at some point. But uh, so I didn't quite feel as bad just because they had more copies uh, of it. But and B, it was because if I left a bookmark in there, I felt like if somebody took out the book, then they would, uh, you know, take it out. But then again, if somebody took out the book, I wouldn't have my dog ears there to begin with. But I guess I wasn't thinking that far ahead. The next time I'm in Rutherford, I'm going to go to the Rutherford Public Library, look for Carrie and look for the edition that is all messed up in dog ears. Like this is the one Kevin was reading. Okay. Oh, now I want to do that too. See if I can find it. Oh, I wonder if it's even still there. Hmm. Because I know that they've uh, they've they slimmed down a lot, and the library is not the place that I remember. It's the yeah the the whole children's section downstairs. They moved it to the young adult section. So and now like there are huge sections of it that are just computers now so they reorganized everything so i went back like one time a few years ago and it's just not the place i remember so i can't i i haven't been able to bring myself to go back anymore it's it's sad it was this you know this formative place for my childhood and it's i mean i i understand the reality that not as many people are taking books out anymore but it still just hurts that they've had to take away so many of the books that i loved that are just i mean i don't know if they they were sold off or there are downstairs in the basement that once was the children's section that again was such a formative part of my childhood that now is just upstairs now so it's it's all it's a completely different building than i remember so oh god it's it just hurts uh, it hurts so much when i went back so oh, times, change. I, times change i suppose the world the world has seattle, moved on since then yeah people in seattle constantly talk about just oh this used to be there this used to be there and now it's a condo complex and they're like oh mm-hmm. that condo is not nearly as interesting as this old bowling alley was you know? yeah totally oh i mean Whatever. It, it is sad, but I mean, is it progress or is it just capitalism deciding that if a thing isn't generating money, that it's no longer worth having? I think you're right with the latter oh, there. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Uh, I don't don't want to get into, a, you know, my, uh, you know, post-COVID uh, communistic leanings, but we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> uh, but yes. So, anyway, back to the gunslinger. The, more, the world has yeah, moved on. <laughs> let's progress through this book. Precisely. <laughs> so, basically, wakes up, the boy has put some hay under his head, and he looked down at himself and saw that his shirt was dark and wet, uh, which is a change from the original, where we've got, looked down, and he saw that his shirt was dark and... Dark with moisture. Dark with moisture. So, I don't know, more of a potato potato kind of change in my point of view. Uh, that's, a, that's a blue change. Right? Um, yeah, I would say that's a blue change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're basically saying the same thing just in different words. So yeah. he licked at his face. But he's and really psyched. Water. He's he's got water. Hooray! Finally, exactly. Blinked at it, and then added in his tongue seemed to swell in his mouth. Where you know, just sort of adding a little bit of a little bit of color, a little bit more description to the scene. So, 
boys hunkered down next beside him, and when he saw the gunslinger's eyes were open, he reached behind him and gave the gunslinger a dented tin can filled with water. He grasped it with trembling hands and allowed him to drink a little, just a little. When that was down and sitting in his belly, he drank a little more. And then he spilled the rest on his face and made a shocked blowing noises. Uh, the boy's pretty lips curved into a solemn little smile. And in the original, he just says, want something to eat? And then in the new version, we say, would you want something to eat, sir? So everybody's much more polite in the new version. A lot more sigh, a lot more sir. But actually, here we go. We've got a little bit of a change that kind of shows that right from the first sentence, the boy says he's not really from here. So most people around have been saying sigh. This boy says, sir. Gotcha. Yeah. So not yet, the gunslinger says. There was still a sick ache from his head from the sunstroke and the water sat uneasily in his stomach as if it did not know where to go. Who are you? Yeah, as I was reading this, I was like, he is going to throw up. It's, <laughs> if you Precisely. are that thirsty and you drink that much water, you're going to puke. Yeah, he, he tried. He only did a, a couple of sips at first to kind of test the water, literally. And then kind of he was a little bit overconfident, kind of, yeah, with his, uh, his water. So basically he knows better, but he's been in the desert for so long that he just can't help it. So, yeah. Um, my name is John Chambers. You can call me Jake. And there's another change uh, that... This one I'm not quite so much a fan of. Uh, my name is John Chambers. You can call me Jake. I have a friend, well, sort of a friend. She works for me, who calls me Bama sometimes. But you can call me Jake. So, yeah, definitely seems like we're establishing uh, his quote-unquote friend uh, early on who calls him Bama. And that is sort of, I don't know. Uh, almost sort of a reprise for the next few sections talking about Mrs. Shaw who's this woman who works for him who calls him Bama who kind of uh, well I'll wait till we get there well, I guess so, it just shows that this Mrs. Shaw has kind of a uh, a fondness for him to give him a nickname definitely you know, so, yeah. yeah I totally agree that but I don't know I mean I kind of like the original just sort of no nonsense sort of just a few words at a time kind of structure. But in the new version, Stephen King, as an older man, is much more kind of flowery with his... Actually, it's interesting. He's He made a lot more additions in the new version to dialogue and a lot more subtractions to description. So definitely kind of tightening the story while adding a little bit more description and characterization, if you will. Hmm. So then he leans forward and he does puke, right? He does indeed. He lost a brief struggle with his stomach, to to put it kindly. <laughs> yeah. But again, gunslinger, he's phrasing everything in his head in terms of conflict. Ah. It's him versus his stomach. Yeah, exactly. It's not just he. It's not just him throwing up. It's his stomach uh, fighting against him. Stomach versus mind. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. So. Immediately, uh, Jake, uh, all he says is, there's more, uh, took the can, walked to the rear of the stable, and refills it. Uh, so, here we got another change. Uh, the boy was well-made, handsome, perhaps, uh, in the original it says perhaps nine, in the new version, perhaps ten or eleven. So, Stephen King kind of, uh, making the gunslinger better at establishing age there. So... 
sort of uh, a better judge of character, I guess. So there had been a shadow. And at this point, for some reason in my head, uh, last night I was reading and uh, to be honest, uh, you know, had just smoked. So I was thinking uh, I was just sort of imagining young Stephen King narrating and then old Stephen King just sort of chiming in with the additions and just going, there was a shadow of fear on his face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that that is a difference, though. It's only yeah. thinking like there's a, sh- a shadow on his face. It makes me think of um, uh, in Lord of the Rings when like a shadow comes across Bilbo's face when um, when when he sees Frodo with the ring when he's in Rivendell. Precisely. It, so so it makes me think of something more evil, really. That a shadow on his face, You're like, ooh, is this sinister? But mm. it's like, no, no, it's a shadow of fear. He's actually scared of the gunslinger. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel yeah. like there there again is a good change. But I just, I had this, like, very clear mental picture of just young Stephen King with his dark beard and his dark hair and his thick, really big wire uh, plastic glasses as he's reading out the story. And then we've got uh, older, modern day Stephen, 2003 Stephen King uh, with his gray hairs uh, uh, just recovered from the accident and kind of more of like a a jolly grandpa kind of vibe. (laughs) There was a shadow of fear, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, I, w- um, I wonder how his books changed from young Stephen King to like modern day Stephen King. Oh, there's you could do an entire thesis on uh, the differences between Stephen King in the seventies and eighties versus Stephen King. Uh, I mean, nineties kind of began the change, I would say, but I feel like the accident is a good hard like uh, hard line in between. No, I, I mean, I'm kind of looking for that to be more of a line in between things than it really was. I would say in the 90s, Stephen King's writing style definitely changed from what it had been. Because uh, you've got uh, a lot of books like, let's see, um, what some people... Well, what I've heard referred to as sort of his women trilogy of Dolores Claiborne, uh, Rose Matter, and um, Gerald's Game... Uh, but basically him trying to kind of expand his narrative, his storytelling prowess, sort of, and people saying, oh, well, you don't write women well. Oh, yeah? Well, I'll write three three books that are just from the point of view of women and uh, kind of how th- all of their troubles with men. And uh, actually, all three of them have kind of this theme of uh, spousal abuse, kind of, uh, to different degrees. But in any case, the basically 90s Stephen King, he's kind of, almost trying to rebel against that impression that everybody puts on him of being just a horror writer. So he's kind of going with all of these different styles of writing. He's writing much more mature kind of books, at least from my point of view. And I feel like when we get there, the there's a change in storytelling also in the Dark Tower series. But we'll leave that for now. But yeah, I would definitely agree that Stephen King's not only storytelling style, but his storytelling ability definitely grows and changes uh, in the 90s. And then in the 2000s, it's sort of locked in that he's a much different kind of writer. But yeah, definitely. I would definitely say that his style is worlds different from in 2003 versus in 1978, I guess, when he was originally first writing. But I guess, actually, hang on. Where, where's our... our uh, information here 
Um, yeah, seventy eight was the Gunslinger. Nineteen eighty is the is when he first published the the Way Station. So, the so here we go. Here's the next story. Hey. <laughs> so yeah. Um, That's when I was born. And <laughs> so yeah, this uh, it was first published in. Let's see. For our little bit of uh, Ackerman side information, uh, April of 1980. So yeah, there you go. You were one month old. Cool. So actually, yeah, that's interesting. He may have actually been in the process of either writing or just editing this story uh, when you were born. So there you go. Yeah, I always, um, for right. some reason, that always like sticks in my head. Like because Stephen King is such a prolific writer, there's a parallel to at any point in probably almost anybody's uh well not anybody uh, anybody uh uh let's say you know uh generation x and uh millennials uh uh lives moving forward and i guess uh gen z as well uh thus far but in any case so here we go we got the boy giving him some water and then um so then he asks him about uh he's he says, I thought you were somebody else. The priest? Gunsinger looked up sharply. What priest? The boy looked at him frowning slightly. The priest? He came He came in the yard. I went um, in the house over there. I didn't like him, so I didn't come out. He came in the night and went on the next day. I would have hidden from you, but I was sleeping when you came. Uh, mm-hmm. He looked up darkly over the gunslinger's head. I don't like people. They fucked me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did the priest look like? Ooh, let's let's just things. stop there for a second. Uh, okay, just, just the... I feel like... The whole, I feel like this whole thing of him saying, starting off, my name is John, this woman calls me Bama, but you can call me Jake, and then kind of going into, I I don't like people, they fuck me up. It it just, and just from the point of view of this being an 11 year old boy, this feels like a little kid who is kind of, his parents are away, he's kind of left to his own devices, so he's kind of testing the limits of almost what he's allowed to do, kind of. So, this feels like a little kid who's kind of almost almost as though he's cursing cursing for the first time. Yeah. yeah. I, I've noticed that kids who um, kind of are neglected a little bit at home really do like to push those boundaries with their, um, um, their elders. They're like, yeah, oh, totally. can I say this? Can I try that? Yeah. Hmm. Totally. And also, not only that, but might be a little bit angry. Might have a li- just because he's a little bit uh, neglected at home, which we'll find out shortly. But he has this sort of uh, resentment and rebelliousness as well of uh, distrust of authority. Yeah. So yeah, okay. and one other thing that I wanted to mention, just as we were saying, you know, the shadow of fear and the change there. But that was all right. The gunslinger would have trusted him far less if the boy hadn't shown fear. So there's a story reason for that exact change, not only just in terms of changing uh, just the words and the the like what it means precisely. But yeah, so boy studied him friendly, looked up sharply. So the in a, another change here, we've got uh, gunslinger looked up sharp, sharply. So he didn't even have to say what priest. He just looked up and the boy's like, ah, uh, he uh, he came through just a minute, a little while ago. Uh, so uh, like just saying that the gunslinger doesn't even have to speak in order for the boy to kind of be like, oh, oh the priest that was just there. So there you go. Yeah, but he's 
clearly excited that, oh my gosh, I'm getting close. Exactly, yeah. Who's in the house over there, or maybe it was a depot. Uh, that's a change. Uh, adding in the depot thing, which I feel like an 11-year-old wouldn't really say depot personally, but that's just me. Um, well, again, then, we said he's a little more mature for his age. You know? Precisely, yeah. That That is true, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was sleeping. Uh, just adding the G to make him a little bit even more mature. So in the original uh, version, I was sleeping, but then in the new version, he's sleeping. So there you go. Just in terms of adding that G to make him a little bit, just a little bit more adult, just turning him just one notch older, uh, more mature. So there we go. Like, uh, and then we've got, uh, let's see. He was wearing black things, a hood and a cassock. What's a cassock? Uh, sorry. A hood and a cassock. What's a cassock? Of the original, a robe. The new version, a robe, like a dress. The boy nodded. Uh, in the old version, uh, a robe and a hood. In the new version, yeah, that's about right. So, just a little bit less redundancy. A little, just sort of, kind of saying words in a different mean, uh, in a different way. So, um, Gunslinger leaned forward. How long ago? Tell me for your father's sake. So, here we've got a little bit more color of just kind of phrases from this world. Tell me for your father's sake, instead of for God's sake or whatever. Yeah. So, but also, uh, he's 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 threatening him. Exactly. Instead of just yeah. saying how long ago, he's like, how long ago? Tell me, or I'll freaking kill you, or something. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> uh, tell me, this is important. Yeah. yeah. So, then, kind of, uh, the boy's like, I, I, patiently, the gunslinger said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I, I don't and know. This is right after he just killed the whole town's f- full of people. So clearly, he's got. Um, um, his motivations, his he's got a, a, mor- a moral center at times. Precisely. And I, to be yeah. fair, when he first came across Tull, he saw those four little boys uh, who were playing marbles, and he tried to be like, uh, how's it going, fellas? Uh, and so he tried to be nice even in Tull at first, but the entire town was turned against him. So it is still sort of a self-defense, sort of? I mean, honestly, when... Uh, when a baby is coming against you with sticks and stabs you in the leg, even if it might be the only deep wound, you don't kill the baby. But, I mean, technically, I guess, since he's killed every other man and woman, he's not going to take the baby with him, so... Yeah. Ugh, it's he still just... To, um, yeah. He also said to Kennerly's daughter, uh, I don't bite. Yeah, so. precisely, yeah. He, yeah. So, there is, you know, his, establishing his character that... He does try to be nice at first, no matter, mm-hmm. no matter what. I mean, so there you go. So even if uh, the massacre of Tall is uh, freshly on our mind, where re- our memory is refreshed, saying that he de- he did try to come across nicely at the beginning. So yeah, there we go. Um, how long ago was it? Uh, and. Boy says, uh, I don't know. I, I can't remember time. Every mm, day is the same. Mm. So, so there we go. There's some more, yeah, reestablishing that just time uh, works differently here. Um, the fire lit in him again. He snatched up the can and drank from it with his hands that trembled the smallest bit. A fragment of the cradle uh, song recurred, but this time, instead of his father's face, the scarred face of Ali, who had been his jilly in the now-defunct town of, of Tull. So... 
there we got a couple of changes there. Um, in the original, uh, it says, uh, "Hold on." The fire lit in him again. Grabbed the can, drank from it with hands that trembled the smallest bit. Uh, for some reason, we still got the word "snatch" in here, but he moved it around. Um, a snatch of the cradle song recurred, but this time, instead of his fa- his mother's face, he saw the scarred face of Allie. Uh, who had been his woman in the now defunct town of Tull. So, uh, da, da, da. It says it had now been his Jilly. Exactly. So, and also it's interesting that he moved, uh, he, instead of a snatch of Cradle Song, he snatched the can. So, for some reason, he wanted to still have that word in there, but instead of, uh, I guess, moving it, uh, moving the word snatch a little bit further away from his mother, which I understand that impulse. Well, it's a different, I mean, it, he uses it as a verb, and then it's a noun in this one. It's exactly. Of the yeah. Indeed, and I was using it as the more pejorative uh, sense of the word. But so just fun with, uh, you know, word meanings, uh, with uh, uh, homonyms. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that, Kevin. <laughs> I do have a dirty mind. Got gotta, to gotta put it up front. <laughs> but yes, so there we go. Um I, I do here's another change that i appreciate uh you know so there we go uh and just adding to our vocabulary terms uh jilly instead of his woman so uh let's see so in the original how long a week two three in the new version it's just a week two three so just Condensing, combining, taking out unnecessary words. So, uh, oh, another reason why I wanted to point out the grammatical changes is because, um, basically, right before his accident, and even and then published right afterwards, uh, uh, Stephen King wrote a book called On Writing, which I think we mentioned before, where it's kind of a sort of uh, part autobiography, part. Uh, instructional manual Textbook. kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in term on how to be a good writer and uh, the, the story of how he became a writer as well so that kind of makes me feel like he solidified his own personal rules for writing so that makes sense for a lot of the grammatical changes like that to make things more concise make things a little bit less flowery adjectives that are just there for um just there for alliteration perhaps that if it's like a grin a gray grinning uh whatever ghastly grin that if it's if it doesn't make sense for the story to take it out and just make it just a dusty a his dusty face or whatever stuff like that yeah so i would say some of that kind of changing as he was as a writer is some of the reason why it informed a lot of the changes in this version, new version of the gunslinger. Also, this is another example of um, the gunslinger doing an interrogation. Mm. He seems to, he did that with Ali. He's like, tell me, no, tell me. And like, he just like, he's kind of the the bad cop. (laughs) It's bad cop, bad cop. And this whole Situation. exactly he does have a very uh, again very forceful confrontational style uh in no matter what and even in you know thinking changing 
uh, Ali from his woman to his Jilly, it almost, the phrase Jilly almost makes it seem like it's practically like a transactional nature, kind of, rather yeah, than like being a, in an like actual relationship. Yeah, precisely. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it definitely changes. I mean, it's establishing kind of the gunslingers kind of putting people at arm's length, putting, keeping everything in sort of this confrontational feeling rather than actually having, actually relating to people on a, you know, one-to-one kind of uh, perspective. So definitely feeling that he's been on the road a long time and in kind of the changes here, we're seeing that the gunslinger is pushing people even further away than he had been in the original. So, one of, I've got to say, one of my favorite additions here, we've, uh, he says, a week, maybe two. He looked aside, blushing a little. Three poops ago. That's the only way I can measure things now. <laughs> two or three poops ago. It's like, wait a minute. You're only pooping? So two or three weeks is two or three poops. I guess he's not eating that much, or it's just, he needs more fiber in his diet, perhaps? <laughs> Makes sense, yeah. As we see it a few in a little bit further down, the only food he's been eating is some dried meat, so... Clearly, he he's, he's kind of he's. It makes sense that he would be just sort of blocked up. Uh, yeah. So yeah, just eating uh, jerky, basically. Yeah, jerky and water is not a healthy diet for an eleven-year-old boy. Uh, he he didn't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he didn't even drink. I thought he might be the ghost of a priest. Like in this movie I saw once. Only Zorro figured out he wasn't a priest at all, or a ghost either. He was just a banker who wanted some land because there was gold on it. Mrs. Shaw took me to the movie. It was in Times Square. None of this made sense to the gunslinger, so he did not comment on it. That whole extra addition uh, talking about the the ghost of a priest in a movie. Uh, uh, mentioning Zorro, mentioning Mrs. Shaw again. Sort of uh, doubling down on this idea that this woman that works for him, Mrs. Shaw, who is only kind of a friend, took him to the movies. So we've got this impression of this sort of building up who Jake is and who he was in his life and also establishing, A, he saw a movie with Zorro at Times Square. So more sort of hints along the note, along the the story that Jake is from our world that and the gunslinger is not. So... Here we go. Right. Um, Wait, was that all an addition? That was that whole thing was new. Yeah, that that wasn't in oh, the the original version. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, just establishing um, the timeline. Exactly, a, and also establishing that he saw in a movie theater in Times Square. Well, I mean, there are still in movie theaters in Times Square. I was about to say that there aren't really anymore, but no, there's still the the AMC and the Regal there, uh, right across the street from each other. So yeah. There's still movie theaters there. But any in any case. So, Gunslinger, all just going straight over his head. So, he's just like, I'll let that pass for now. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> is a Times Square? What? what is a square of time? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> time can't be measured in terms of space. Uh, but... Yeah. <laughs> Wheel of time, right? Again. <laughs> there we go yeah there could be a reference to that but whatever um so i was scared the boy says uh i've i've been scared almost all the time his face quivered like a crystal on the edge of the ultimate destructive high note and 
again, just very destructive, very uh, descriptive words here. Uh, he didn't even build a fire. He just sat there. I don't even know if he went to sleep. Close. Uh, I don't even know if he went to sleep. Where was I? Oh, I'm having trouble keeping track on uh, book to Kindle. Uh, didn't even close. He was closer than he had ever been, or just closer than he had ever been. So yeah, blue change, where he's just taking out unnecessary words. Uh, yeah. And then by the gods. So there's a, a yellow change where he's establishing oh, yeah. a little bit more of the worlds, where he he thinks Jesus um uh, he thinks Jesus to himself, but by the gods. So where he's got both, uh, he's got a polytheistic. Uh, personal religion i guess so in spite of the extreme dehydration his hands felt faintly moist and greasy so he's he's got uh damp palms but because of his dehydration it's greasy palms instead of being sweaty so there's some dried meat the boy said all right good uh boy went to fetch it knees popping slightly uh then the desert had not yet sapped him. His arms were thin, but the skin, although tanned, had not yet had not dried and cracked. He's got juice, the gunslinger thought. Uh, mayhap some sand in his crow as well, or he would have taken one of my guns and shot me where he where I where I lay, or maybe the boy simply hadn't thought of it. Gunslinger drank from the can again. Sand in his craw or not, he didn't come from this place. And then in the original, he's got juice, uh, and he didn't come from this place. So, so a lot of addition there just to exactly something about sand in his craw which doesn't really make sense to me like he's got sand in his craw otherwise he would have taken or he would have taken one of my guns and shot me where i lay so to me i would have thought if somebody has sand in your craw that that sounds like you've got something bothering you like you've got like what what's in your craw or whatever like the, i'm not quite exactly sure what he means in this context like what do you what did you think about that? Well, I thought it was that that like the, the boy's dumb, kind of. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if he was smart, he would have he would have taken the gun and shot me. He's got some mm. sand in his crow. He, he's, he wasn't really thinking this through. He's mm. like, if I was you know him, I, that's what I would have done. But he's got some sand in his crow. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it like that. But yeah, could you could be his uh, first impression of him. Yeah, mayhap he's got some sand in his crow. Or but either way, he didn't come from this place. So, there you go. Um, yeah, I, guess, I guess I could go along with that, you know, sand in his crow or not. But, yeah, that's, you know, maybe this boy is uh, too dumb to... Well, or, or maybe in terms of... I mean, I don't know if it makes sense in terms of sand in his craw, but might he, the gunslinger might be thinking that the boy is innocent. Like, this world hasn't kind of gotten to him yet that he didn't think to to shoot a dangerous man on sight so that may maybe in terms of being like he's got juice sort of means almost that he's innocent kind of in that way but yeah yeah. that makes more sense yeah well dumb innocent same difference yeah naive (laughs) let's we could uh, bundle it all together as naive yeah so there there we go. go uh he didn't come from this place Jake came back with a pile of dried jerky on what seemed to be a sun-scoured breadboard. The meat was rough, stringy, and salty enough to make his cankered linings of his mouth sing. He ate and drank until he felt lo- until he felt logy and then se- settled back. The boy ate only a little, picking at the dark strands with an odd delicacy. 
So, eat only so the odd delicacy is just a little bit of uh, extra flourish on top of Jake. So we've heard him described as having pretty lips, odd delicacy, and he's clearly he seems almost upper class, more or less. What does Logie mean? Full. Yeah, kind of basically like he's full to the point of tired. I think. Um, I, I certainly know that. <laughs> exactly. It's it's how we were raised to eat. It's just got to fi- finish what's on your plate, regardless of whether you're, whether you're full or not. Uh, which <laughs> certainly hasn't been helpful to us in our post thirties. Um, but in any case, <laughs> uh, so Gunslinger regarded him, and the boy looked back at him candidly enough. Where did you come from, Jake? He asked finally. I don't know. I did know. I knew when I came here, but it's all fuzzy now, like a bad dream when you wake up. Um, so again, going to how memory is kind of fading. Uh, so Mrs. Shaw, so here's entirely new, uh, sort of doubling down on his relationship with Mrs. Shaw. Mrs. Shaw used to say it was because I watched too many horror movies on Channel 11. What's a channel? A wild idea occurred to him. Is it like a beam? Uh, no, it's TV. What's TV? I, the boy touched his head. Pictures. So, uh, did someone tote you here? This Mrs. Shaw? No, the boy said. I just was here. Who is Mrs. Shaw? I don't know. Uh, why, why did she call you Bama? I don't remember. (laughs) Just, I love just the, the, it almost does come across as kind of comic relief here. Who is Mr. Shaw? <laughs> interrogation. Did you order the code red? You're not right, I did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> did you put your name in the goblet of fire? <laughs> well, that's definitely just a movie change. Exactly. Anyway. Back, you, we'll, we'll get to Harry Potter eventually. <laughs> precisely, yeah. But again, we've got this establishment of changes that sort of change the tone of the character. Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. And... In the original, it was just, you know, where did you come from, Jake? I don't know. I did know. I knew when I came here, but it's all fuzzy now, like bad dreams when you wake up. Did somebody bring you? No, the boy said. I was just here. You're not making any sense, the gunslinger said flatly. So it's a much more sort of a business-like conversation as opposed to gunslinger saying, Who the hell are these people you're talking about? What is a TV? (laughs) I'm really frustrated and confused. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So quite suddenly the boy was on the verge of tears. I can't help it. I just was here. And then this whole part is new. If you had asked me about TV and channels yesterday, I bet I still could have remembered. Tomorrow I probably won't even remember that I'm Jake. Not unless you tell me. And you won't be here, will you? You're going to go away and I'll starve because you ate up almost all my food. I didn't ask to be here. I don't like it. It's spooky. So, Gunslinger is eating until he's logie. He's just gobbling back all of this dried meat. And Jake is like, I don't have any other food. <laughs> Come on, man. So, he's, yeah, he's a scared little boy in the movie. Exactly. He's Gosh. picking at the strings that? of his jerky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just eating a little bits. And he's like, I was trying to ration that. <laughs> so, and Gunslinger is like, I don't give a shit about you. <laughs> More or less. Uh... Without words, but, I mean, he's, like, going back to when he went to Tull and he's eating these three hamburgers and everyone around him is just licking their lips and Gunslinger, like, I mean, now that we know that he was raised in a castle, it's kind of filling up this character that he's sort of almost, uh, 
a person of privilege. He's a person that always expects there to be more. And the people all around him are like, we don't have a quarter of what you expect the world to be. So sort of he establishing seem to have uh, that sort of empathy precisely uh, for people around him yeah or even like, just uh, sort of awareness of how much better in some ways his life has been than others yeah let them eat cake kind of precisely like, yeah <laughs> what there's always food i'm just gonna eat this food there's plenty of food around right yeah like, you know no. yeah <laughs> we don't have any other cows in the back the we ate the we ate the last one um so in, in any case, so he ate. So even after uh, Jake is like, I'm going to starve. Uh, he says, don't don't feel so sorry for yourself. Make do. I didn't ask to be here. The boy repli- repeated with bewildered defiance. And the gunslinger eats yet another piece of meat, uh, <laughs> chewing the salt out of it before swallowing. Um, so clearly unaffected by the boy's uh, in uh, incoming starvation. But he's just without even caring about any of this. Just he, again, uh, don't feel so sorry for yourself. Make do and uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I had to fight when I was young, so you should have to do the same. It's sort of this whole sort of same tone that the gunslinger is giving. Um, I paid my college loans. You should, too. Precisely. (laughs) So, yeah. So in any case, um, so then takes another bite and he starts thinking that the boy had become part of it and the gunslinger was convinced he told the truth. He had not asked for it. It was too bad. He himself, he had asked for it. Uh, but he had not asked for the game to become this dirty. Uh, he had not asked... He had not asked to be allowed... And there's another little change. Uh, he had not asked to be allowed to turn his guns on the town. <laughs> so here's... The original version, uh, he had not asked to be allowed to turn his guns on the unarmed populace of Tull. And then in the new version, it says he had not asked to turn his guns on the townsfolk of Tull. So old version, he's definitely comes across much more violent fighting the unarmed townsfolk of Tull. And then in the new version, he's like, I feel like Stephen King was like, well, they were really unarmed. They were throwing knives and sticks and boards with, uh, uh, what do you call boards with, uh, nails Nails stuck through them and everything. But I feel like almost the old version is a little bit more honest because come on, when they're fighting against this guy with two guns and huge amounts of weaponry, they might as well be unarmed. So in any case, um, had not asked to shoot Allie uh, with her her face marked by that strange shining scar. And then in the new version with her sadly pretty face at the end marked by that by the secret she had finally asked to be let in on using that word that 19 like a key in a lock. So doesn't mention the scar in the new version just sadly pretty which I kind of like that he looks back on Allie and he just thinks that thinks in terms of emotion rather than just remembering her as just the scarred woman. So there's a change I like. And then going back to the whole 19 thing, uh, he had not asked to be faced with a choice between duty and flat out murder. And then, so in the old version, it says not asked, uh, to be faced with a choice between the obsession of his duty and his quest and criminal immorality. So I love this 
again, I've got, you know, old king, uh, well, 1980 king going, uh, had not asked to be faced with a choice between the obsession of his duty and his quest and criminal immorality. And 2003 king, no, 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 it's just flat out murder. Dude, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Criminal immorality, yeah. Mm. So... uh, Chaotic, chaotic evil, a little bit, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, and new version, it's almost uh, neutral evil, where he's just saying it's just flat out evil. It's just flat out murder, dude. Just call a spade a spade here. Um, um, so here we got. So here's here's a full sentence that was removed from the new version that I find interesting. The man in black had begun to pull bad strings in his desperation. If it was the man in black who pulled this particular string. So there, I wonder why he took that out. Yeah, that whole sentence is taken out of him seeing the man in black as this puppet master. But then in the new version, he doesn't want to say that anymore. Uh, It was not fair... Or, then again, I mean, it might be almost implied by this whole section. It was not fair to ring in innocent bystanders and make them speak lines they didn't understand on a strange stage. Uh, So, I guess this comes down to more sort of narrative um, brevity, if you will. That he's saying it wasn't fair to do this. It wasn't fair to bring in all of these people. It wasn't fair to bring in this boy. Um... So, so he's saying it without saying it. Exactly. The, the implication is that, is that it's the man in black who's bringing in these people and making them, like Nort from Tull, saying words in the high speech, uh, words that he doesn't understand. But in the new version, he's kind of letting it be implied rather than be out and out stated that it, it's the man in black pulling these strings. Um, so we've got... Uh, Ali, he thought. Ali at least had been... Eh, this one makes sense to me. Ali had at least been part of this world in her own self-losery way. But in the original it was Ali, Ali had at least had been into this world. Yeah, there's a change I agree with. Part of this world makes more sense. Um, in her own self-illusory way. love your words. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but this boy, this goddamn boy... Tell me what you can remember, he told Jake. It's only little. It doesn't even seem to make any sense anymore. Tell me. Maybe I can pick up the sense. Uh, The boy thought about how to begin. And so, basically, he's going through... Jake is going through, and he's saying sort of almost individual memories that kind of stick out to him completely out of context. Uh... There is this place with a lot of rooms and a patio uh, where you look at tall buildings and a water and there was a statue that stood on the water. Um, A statue in the water? Yes, a lady with a crown and a torch and the new version and I think she had a book. So making Jake a little bit more observant of what the Statue of Liberty looks like. Uh, Right. So, or maybe just to kind of pound home that it is the Statue of Liberty that he's thinking of. So... Um, are you making this up? Are you making I, this up? Exactly, yeah, just to prove that. I mean, also, kind of, just the Statue of Liberty reference kind of made me think of Planet of the Apes, kind of saying, 
almost in the opposite in this case, that since he's never heard of the Statue of Liberty, that this is not his planet, and, you know, so... And so, well, that was just my take on it. Exactly. Yeah. The, that was where I kind of, uh, took that little reference. I feel like Planet of the Apes had definitely come out at this point. So it seems intentional to me, but it might honestly just be something that seems otherworldly to a person from another world. Uh, that this, there's this statue in the water of a woman holding a torch with a book, maybe. Uh, so... I, I, in my stupid mind, I, I, I think of like Fievel in American Tale and oh, uh, nice. you know, Rogue in X Men. I don't know. Just oh, images of the Statue of Liberty and things. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you know, one reference is as good as another. There's no, you know, yeah. no, no shame on uh, X Men or uh, uh, the uh, An American Tale, which, you know, well, the classic immigrant story. Future references obviously make no sense. There you go. There, you, it, <laughs> precisely. Yeah, the, neither of those things had come out in 1980. So, no. but, but Planet of the Apes had. So that, Planet, that actually does make sense. Well, I mean, could have been a Stephen <laughs> King reference. Could have not. Who knows? But in in either case, um, really, it's just saying this is New York. Exactly. Pounding home New York City. There's a statue. There's tall buildings looking on the water. Um, well, actually, the Statue of Liberty is technically in New Jersey. True. And also, you know, she's not technically on the water. There's a little island, but, you know, to, for all <laughs> intents and purposes, he's the statue is on the water, more or less. Uh, so he's saying, I guess I must be. There were things to ride in the streets, big ones and little ones. Uh, the big ones were blue and white. The little ones were yellow. A lot of yellow ones. And in this is a change from... The original where he doesn't really color code what the cars look like other than just saying there's big ones there's yellow ones and a lot of yellow ones um so i walked to school there were cement paths besides the streets windows to look in more statues wearing clothes and the statues sold the clothes i think i i know it sounds crazy but the statues still sold the clothes so it's just funny thinking of it like okay jake is imagining a mannequin where it technically sells the clothes but then you've got the gunslinger just imagining a statue wearing clothes and then selling the clothes that they are wearing so it's just funny kind of imagining things from both points of view well it's also a, a young boy imagining this and when you are a kid you're like wow what is that statue it's selling the clothes what's happening and then he's trying this young boy is uh trying to describe a place in, in, that he doesn't understand to somebody who completely doesn't understand what he's exactly talking about. yeah so it's just a big miscommunication going on. Precisely, yeah. And it's... it's it, it, I feel like the... Reading, reading it, like, really close this way this time, I feel like I'm much more paying attention to the... I'm finding it funnier than I ever did before. Whereas before, I almost... I saw it just as this hard interrogation kind of thing. Whereas now, you know, the, the statues sold the clothes. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> you must be making this up. Yeah. So, um... I walked to school. The boy repeated uh, doggedly in the new version, fixedly in the old version. So, not quite sure. I mean... I guess they kind of mean the same thing, but I guess doggedly... Doggedly is definitely more of a Stephen King adjective, I would say, or an adverb, I guess, with the L-Y. But he, he'll, he'll say dogged determination a lot. 
but in any case, I had a his eyes tilted closed and his lips lips moved gropingly. A brown book bag. I carried a lunch and I wore the groping again, agonized groping. A tie. Oh, uh, what? In the old version, a cravat. So. Again, gunslinger, a little bit smarter, a little bit... He's he's picking up on things in the new version a little bit more than he had. So he said a what in the old version and a cravat in the new version. Yeah, so he kind of... Uh, the boy's fingers made a slow, unconscious, clinching motion at his throat, a gesture of the gunslinger associated with hanging. I don't know, it's just all gone. And then he looked away. So, again, gunslinger sees everything in terms of violence, and so... Sort of that uh, mindset. A bit of foreshadowing. Also true. Have I have read this whole chapter? Mm. <laughs> true. Yeah. We'll, well, we're gonna break it off um, in a little bit, but true. The so so you have read the whole thing of the way station. Yeah, I've read the whole way station. Okay. Okay. So we we can talk about things that occur, but we'll we'll go into deeper uh, deeper. We'll, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll fully talk about it uh, in the next uh, in our, in next week. So, basically, Gunslinger sees that he has this... He has these memories out of context, and he says, Would you like me to make, put you to sleep? So, here we go. A little bit more information about the Gunslinger. He can hypnotize people with his guns. Is <laughs> when, when, I first, when I first read this, I'm like, Is he going to kill him right now? Oh, no. Why? I... I, I <laughs> didn't get the whole hypnotizing thing at first Mm. and then i was like oh okay i I see what's going on (laughs) true may i put you to sleep i'm not sleepy i can okay so then he says i can make you sleepy and i can make you remember okay yeah yeah. uh i I thought that he said uh but i'm not sleepy i could put you to sleep with this and he shows up pulls up a (laughs) bullet (laughs) yeah that's what i was thinking i was like oh god what's going to happen true that's a whole little slow on the uptake sometimes but no 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 i feel like uh, I'm the same way. Like, do you ever get that thing where sometimes as you're reading, um, you don't always read from left to right. Sometimes your eyes go vertically or diagonally and like you have to force your eyes to go like word by word. So, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. I I always wonder, like, is that kind of I don't want to say dyslexia because that's a whole that's a developmental thing but i wonder if that's almost like you know level 0.5 dyslexia or something that it's it's it is something that i have to kind of struggle with to force my eyes to move one word at a time left to right but yeah i think um there's something called dysgraphia what is that uh, it might not be the right thing um dysgraphia Oh, no, no. That's something that affects your, your ability to write well. That's, that's, oh. not, um, so that's not it at all. Oh, <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, yeah. Lex in terms of... Uh, but I, I would say it is... Graph it is, in terms of writing. Yeah, yeah. But it is similar to... Uh, it's dyslexia. Yeah, you're, you're... Or it's really just... Your mind is moving faster than you can read. And, mm. and you want but, to get ahead... That's probably yeah. more likely it, yeah. Because I always do kind of see it as in terms of my my brain is impatient, so I'm just kind of skipping along. Yeah, it's kind of like the um, the stuttering of reading. Mm. You know, when people are, are speaking and, and they have a stutter, it's because their their mind is moving faster than they can um, say the words. And in this case, you're reading faster than your mind can even 
read the words. You're just trying to get ahead. Exactly. I totally do that sometimes. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I feel like... And, and that's this... why... Okay. I was going to say, that's why a lot of times audiobooks are better for me, you know, because I can just, like, lose myself in, like, just what they're saying and not jump jump ahead. Exactly. You can relax while you're reading as opposed to sort of interpreting the words uh, as you go. And I feel like that's... I almost feel like that's a habit I picked up as a kid because when I was younger, I used to be really competitive about reading and trying to read as many books as I could and reading books as fast as I could and reading books that are above my grade level and all. And I got to the point where I was almost skimming books. And there's this one book, um, uh, Children of the Jedi, uh, that there were whole plot lines that I missed out because I was just sort of skimming through to try to read it as fast as I could. And then I go back and I'm rereading it as an adult and I was like, wait a minute, there's this whole plot line where a, there these two Jedi, one of them falls in love with another one, one of them has this terrible illness, and they transport the guy's consciousness into a robot. And I was like, what the hell? I don't remember that at all. <laughs> but Right past that, what? I know, yeah, but... I mean, it's it's an it's an I, I gotta say I do recommend the book, but um, it's you know it, it was it was just crazy to me that like because I was reading it as like a middle schooler I guess that I, and trying to read as many Star Wars books as fast as possible that it's kind of. I, I didn't actually get the full context, which is why kind of I like that we're reading this way together, where we're pointing out indiv not only additions and subtractions and changes and things, but looking into it on a word by word level and feeling the exact import of every single word in this story. So I'm happy that I'm doing this. I totally. With you. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, me too. Love you, brother. Love you too. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but I was I was just going to say, this is why it's so important just to, to reread books. And this is why books are amazing, because you get more out of it the second time that you read it through, the third time you read it through. You know? I've read Harry, the Harry Potter series countless times, probably over ten times. And each time I find something new, so it's just great. Yeah, I totally agree. And it also completely changes your point of view when you read a book at a different point in your life, too. Like... Kevin Ackerman, yeah. the middle schooler, is a completely different, well, maybe not completely different, but a very, very different person than Kevin Ackerman, the 36-year-old. So it's yeah. a whole different timeline and everything. So it's all, it's right. yeah, it's fascinating because I, I probably read this around, uh, no, I think I've read this for the first time when I was in high school. But even still, high school Kevin, much different person than 36-year-old Kevin. Hmm. In many ways... 41-year-old Nick is different than 42-year-old Nick, so... Uh, <laughs> very, very, very true. It, yeah, there's so many things that I'll look back and I'm like, oh, they were talking about sex there. I didn't get that the first exactly. time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely one of the big changes that you notice as you get older. There are so many more references to sex and innuendo and thing Like, even in things like uh, The Muppet Show or things that are ostensibly seem like they might be for kids, but there are jokes there and things that are intended for only the adults to get that might fly over a kid's head. So it's, it's, it's always interesting when the first time you see something, you see it as a child, and then as you get older, you see it from the perspective of 
the adult and the adult Jim Henson, like like maybe as a kid you're seeing Kermit the Frog, but the as the adult you're seeing Jim Henson, who's kind of winking at the audience. Yeah, I feel like uh, Pixar movies are pretty good at that too. Mm, very and true. It makes it like good for adults and kids. Exactly. Anyway, let's get back. Precisely. And uh, before we leave this whole younger young adult uh, child thing, it's interesting that as you're a kid and you're reading this, you might identify more with Jake, who's appearing in a strange land. Whereas an adult, you have almost this. Maybe you might not identify with the gunslinger, but you have this fantasy of being this character of the gunslinger of of being this you know hard case with no name who has this who has his guns and you kind of wish that you were that guy who could be this like man with no name walking through the desert and doesn't care about anybody and women are dying to have sex with him and stuff like that so yeah and also you can relate with the gunslinger talking to a child being like what are you talking about kid yeah (laughs) this makes no sense (laughs) yeah um, there are plenty of times i talk to our nephews and uh plenty of things that i'm like oh that's nice uh sure minecraft okay <laughs> yeah Words you gotta like eat and stuff <laughs> exactly gotta get all your sheep into the pen i guess i eat, I, I don't get minecraft at all <laughs> which is so crazy because i feel like both of us were lego kids so it should make sense to us kind of but i feel like there was never uh yeah there, i feel like minecraft kind of is all, it almost seems like a digital version of Legos to, in, to some degree, but I feel like it's definitely not at all, at least to me. I don't know. Like, I, I could never really get into it. It seems so daunting, personally. Yeah. But in Okay, case, so the gunslinger is now hypnotizing Jake with the he, shell. That's exactly. A really cool way to hypnotize, because, you know, the classic way is take a... a pocket watch and swing it in front of your face but mm. this is a cool one he's just like rolling the the i i was just imagining the imagery of rolling the, sh- the shell along his fingers like a like a pencil that you're like flipping around you know yeah or, or, or i've uh, seen people do it with like coins and stuff too yeah oh yeah coins mm. so yeah go ahead if you want to um uh let me read um so the movement was dexterous as flowing as oil. The shell cartwheeled effortlessly from thumb and index and index and second to second and ring to ring and pinky. It popped out of sight and reappeared. It seemed to float briefly and then reverse. The shell walked across the gunslinger's fingers. The fingers themselves moved like a beaded curtain in a breeze. Um, boy watched his initial doubt replaced with plain delight, then by raptness, then by dawning mute blankness. The eyes slipped shut. The shell danced and back and forth. Jake's eyes opened again, caught steady, limpid dance between the gunslinger's finger for a while longer, and then his eyes closed once more. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I just love like this entire thing of going against the expected, where you hear hypnotism, and you're like you said, you automatically assume you're getting sleepy with a, a pocket watch and all that, but he's the gunslinger. He's a man of uh, violence and also a man of very using things for different purposes, I should say, of being very... Of, what is the word that I'm trying to think of? Um, he's almost... His guns are almost like a Swiss army knife in some ways, that he could use his bullets not only for uh, firing 
and as bullets as bullets, but also as this means of hypnotizing. And they're they're his stock in trade, but they're also kind of the symbol of who he is. He is the gunslinger, so uh, of course he's going to hypnotize him with a bullet. So um, a couple of changes in there. We've got uh, so the where was it? The movement was dexterous as flowing as oil, and no, 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 that wasn't it. Um, the fingers themselves moved like a beaded curtain in a breeze. And in the new version, it says the fingers themselves marched as his feet marched on his last miles to this place. So we've got in this version, it's kind of more bringing back home, reminding the reader of instead of being like a wafting sort of curtain that's sort of effortlessly moving, it's almost being one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. So it's sort of a sort of a marching feat as he's going along the last mile. So it almost seems slower. It almost seems a little bit more purposeful than the beaded curtain blowing, billowing in the breeze. Uh, another one where he's taken out a little bit of uh, alliteration. Um, yeah. Oh no, it's just a beaded curtain in a breeze. Not a beaded curtain billowing in the breeze. That was my addition there. But uh, in it. <laughs> True. Uh, the, the alliteration we'll call that a green change exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> where kevin just imagines words that he wants to be in there <laughs> exactly the 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 mind reads what it wants to see um so there we go the so dawning blankness instead of a dawning mute blankness uh let's see so the gunslinger continued uh jake's eyes opened cut the limpid dance, limpid movement, uh, changed. Interesting. So yeah, the basically the it seems like the new version instead of it being sort of this beautiful motion, it turns into a much more kind of more in more in character of who the gunslinger is. That instead of a curtain on the breeze and a dance, it becomes marching. His fingers are marching like he marched. They, it's a limpid movement between his fingers. So it's, a, it's much more utilitarian, I would say. Yeah. So uh, continues a little while longer, but then they closed once more. And the gunslinger continued the howking. And there's a new vocabulary term. Uh, that's in the new version. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, H-O-W-K-E-N. So, so that's I guess, just a way of saying hypnotism? Precisely. So I guess that's what the gunslinger calls it, is the howkin. Um, the boy breathed with slow and steady calmness. Um, in the original, it says, the boy breathed with steady bovine calmness. So take it out the, the cow imagery. Uh, just slow and steady calmness. No need to compare Jake to just a stupid cow. Um... <laughs> So, and that actually, that's interesting. He compared the, what is it? One of the Kennerly's daughters to being bovine as well. So I guess he didn't want to invite the comparison. Well, I guess he also found that in his younger writing, he used the same kind of adjectives over and over. And he's like, oh, I should stop doing that. Yeah, let's, the the dictionary's full of words. Let's use a few different ones. Um, Right. So let's see. So here we go. Um, in the original, 
Was this part of it? Yes. There was a certain beauty, a logic, like the lacy frettings that fringe hard blue ice packs. And then the new version, did this have to be part of it? Yes, there was a certain cold beauty to it, like the lacy frettings, uh, fringe bl hard blue ice packs. So, did it have to be? And sort of almost, I feel like the tone there is a little bit different, where he's almost asking, like, must I do like is this does this does Jake have to be a part of this whole thing and then Gunslinger within the same breath says yep it has this cold logic to it so yeah it's an orange change really. yeah <laughs> he seemed to hear the sound of wind chimes not for the first time the Gunslinger tasted the smooth loaded taste of soul sickness and then in, this in the new version, he says, he once more seemed to hear his mother singing. Not the nonsense about the rain in Spain this time, but sweeter nonsense, coming from a greater distance as he rocked on the rim of sleep. Baby bunting, baby deer, baby bring your basket here. So here we've got a different uh, nursery rhyme, probably that seems about the same time, but uh, sort of rocking him in a cradle. Um... Sort of. Maybe this was his mother doing a hawkin on him, and that was the way that she did it. it Ooh, interesting. The, I like rhyme. that. Yeah, sort of as though singing a child to sleep is the kind of hypnotism that all mothers do. Yeah. Yeah, just more the rocking him to sleep with the... <laughs> exactly, more alliteration. Baby bunting, baby deer. Uh, yeah, that, that movement of rocking to sleep kind of counts as... Uh, a similar sort of hypnotism. Yeah, I like that change, uh, I gotta say, uh, instead of just being wind chimes. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so kind of bringing back the, the mother mother saying a nursery rhyme thing. So she, he's still thinking of his mother at this point as well, uh, sort of as though saying that nursery rhymes and rocking a child to sleep are sort of the first, sort of, uh, the first form of hypnotism. So... Also, they have a um, a uh, paragraph change in the new one. In right. The old one, it just continues on, which I like because it's like, all right, now that he's asleep, like it's a new thought. Sort of. Exactly. Yeah. The, in the old version, paragraphs are like pages long. So, in 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 addition to adding in, you know, section one, section two, section three, in bit, uh, more increasing intervals, he's also adding in more paragraph breaks. So basically just, like yeah, Stephen King making it a little bit easier on the reader, a little easier on the eyes. So It gives you a chance to breathe as the, the reader. You know? Exactly. Old Stephen King, it seems like he's sprinting through this. New Stephen King, he's, well, 2003 Stephen King, I should say. In any case, back to the story. So... Tasted uh, the loading taste of soul sickness. I, I just love that phrase of just being sick to either to your soul or being sick of your soul. So, not for the first time. And he, so basically, sees that Jake is uh, fully hypnotized. The shell in his fingers, manipulated with unknown grace, was suddenly horrific. The spore of a monster, and so and in the original was suddenly undead horrific the spore of a monster so this this shell goes so I, I there's one that i kind of prefer the old version as though the shell is almost like a zombie that's waiting to waiting to strike that it, it's a dead thing that can still kill but 
Yeah. So, in the new version, so dropped it to his palm, made a fist, and squeezed with painful force. So, changed the wording a little bit around there with, uh, in the, originally it was closed it into a fist with painful force. Um, just sort of rewording and probably just a grammatical change. Um, then here's this whole new sentence. Had it exploded in that moment, he would have rejoiced at the destruction of his talented hand, for its only true talent was murder. There had always been murder in the world, but telling, it, telling himself so was no comfort. There was murder, there was rape, there were unspeakable practices. Whereas in the old version it just said, rape, there were such things as rape in the world. Rape and murder and unspeakable practices. And all of them were for the good, the bloody good, for the bloody myth. For, for and here we go, here is our introduction to what the gunslinger is going towards. For the tower. The... Exactly. Over 100 pages. Oh, exactly 100 pages in, I guess. If you're from in the original where we're starting on page 11, here's page 111. So our first mention of the tower. Ah, the tower stood somewhere, rearing its gray bulk to the sky. And in his desert scoured ears, the gunslinger heard the faint sweet sound of wind chimes again. But that was the old version. In the new version, we've got... Uh... The bloody myth for the grail for the tower. The tower stood somewhere in the middle of things, or so they did say, rearing its black-gray bulk to the sky, and in his desert scoured ears the gunslinger heard the faint sound of his mother's voice. Chusset, chisset, chasset, bring enough to fill your basket. So, same nursery rhyme. Uh, baby bunting, baby deer, bring your basket here. Chusset, chisset, chasset, bring enough to fill your basket. So, again, taking away the wind chimes, putting in his mother, and kind of making his mother's nursery rhyme a recurring motif, as opposed to just being the rain in Spain at the beginning and never mentioning her again. So, more changes that I, I appreciate, I like. I agree. So, next week we'll go into Jake's hyp dream memory? Hypnotism? Whatever you want to call it. But, uh, in any case... Flashback, yeah, yeah. Flashback uh, seems accurate. So yeah, uh, okay. Overall, let me t uh, tell me how do you feel about the story thus far? Oh, I think it's fantastic. I am totally wrapped. Um, I like how he's introducing new characters, and mm. it's a, a young boy this time. Um, honestly, I, I know I've read this this whole chapter, so I, I actually I know what's going to happen in, in the next thing. But honestly, when I was listening to it the first time, I was thinking, because uh, he was like, I, like when he was trying to remember, he was like, I had a, a brown book bag. And like the way that he was like trying to remember, it was like, is he like remembering his last day of life is what mm. I was thinking. I was like, is this boy dead? And then I, I was thinking, I'm like, is this whole thing, you know, this purgatorial waste. I was like, is, um, is this whole book having to do with the afterlife? Is the gunslinger also dead? Um, did he die a long time ago? Um, with reasons we don't know yet. Um, and is, is the man in black just this unattainable goal that he will always be chasing? I don't know. I like that. Ooh. 
And I think Brown himself actually mentioned that, you know, he thinks he's in the afterlife. So the okay. it's been kind of established that uh, thus far also that the, some people think that they're already in hell. So I, I, I love that you kind of picked up on that as well, that like you had that the sort of intuition that maybe Jake is dead. Like it, I mean, uh, oh, I love it. Ooh. And also just the idea that if they are in purgatory and the gunslinger is following the man in black, maybe that is his penance. Maybe that is what he is working for to sort of pay off some wrong that he did in his, whatever his past life was. Well, I also was thinking um, a while back that, the man in black is, is him. Mm. It's this dichotomy within himself, and he's trying to to get to this the evil side of himself and try to, like you said, it's, it's his penance, and he needs to come face-to-face with his dark side. Kind of. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Ooh. So, and because... Oh, that's fascinating. Because that's interesting that sort of imagining that in the afterlife like our soul maybe if we have this dichotomy of our personality maybe it breaks into two separate pieces that you have to take the good half of yourself and fight off the bad half of yourself that and it's this quest that the good half of yourself is fighting towards but the bad half of yourself is running away from Mm, I like that a lot ooh really gives me food for thought and i'll probably have uh some dreams about it tonight (laughs) indeed yeah i don't know if we're talking symbolism or if we're talking fan theories because i feel like with a fantasy story it could go either way yeah yeah oh god i love this i love this interpretation Ooh. Ooh. also if we're saying that maybe if the man in black is another portion of himself maybe jake is another portion of himself also that maybe Jake is his innocence and Jake is like his inner child that he has to protect. Yeah. Hmm. That, yeah, that we have the, our, our childhood... Um, inst- yeah, the childhood innocence. I, I totally agree with that. Man. Yeah. And how... Uh, well, but the fact that Jake remembers, you know, the Statue of Liberty and stuff. True, true, like, yeah. That, and the, I mean, sure, if you want to be, if you want to poke holes in my theory. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, um, <laughs> but no, yeah, uh, well, now we're going from, fa- now we're going from theorizing to symbolizing. So, I, so in that case, all right, so he isn't literally uh, chasing after himself then. Or maybe he is, it, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? We, we don't know yet. So, point being... The Gunslinger has uh, hypnotized Jake, and we will pick up there next week. Yeah, and uh, I guess next week we're going to try to get to the end of the way station? Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. T- considering we've, we've both read that far anyway, we'll put that as our goal, and we'll see how long it takes us, because I don't want to go too far past uh, two hours per, per session. So we'll see where we end up, but... You know, we'll say hopefully we'll get to the end of the uh, way station. But if our conversation, as it always does, uh, has a lot of diversions and uh, <laughs> deeper thinking into various things, we'll say maybe we'll go up until Roland's flashback as our our our, oh. our possible stopping point. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. Indeed. Well, in any case, the 
It has been another week of Chapter Brothers. I am Kevin Ackerman. I'm Nick Ackerman. Uh, and I wanted to say, and I was looking for the line, but what is it? Uh, sweet days and pleasant nights or something? Long days and pleasant nights. Ah, long days and pleasant nights. And, and, and may, may you, you have, have half the number. <laughs> True, it's a call twice the number. Thing. Oh, may you have no, twice the you... number. Oh, God. <laughs> another green change. Why? <laughs> Uh, well, love you, brother. Love we'll you, continue brother. next week. Indeed. Right. Can't wait.